What's going on, everybody? It is episode 35. There's a clear player that should come to mind on 35. Kevin Durant? Yep. KD. Yeah, he's he's seven uh, right now, right? He's seven right now. Yeah, but 35 is, to me, will forever be KD's number. Who else we got? Um, I'll do a little Dragon Bender, Phoenix Suns. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm cheating right now, too. Lonnie Baxter? Ooh, Dude. Lonnie. Remember, remember Lonnie Baxter from Maryland back in the day? Did they win the championship? He was on the starting power forward on that? Yeah, they beat Indiana in the finals. Xavier McDaniel, Phoenix Suns, 91. Dude, Kenneth Farid had 35. My guy, Isaac Okoro. Nice. Clarence Weatherspoon. Did I got Ooh. buckets with Clarence Weatherspoon in some of those old, I think it was like NBA 2K. Might have even been like Live 98, but I like basically rocking the Allen Iverson and that the second best player that could score in a video game, Clarence Weatherspoon. Shout out to Clarence. Clarence Weatherspoon. I think you might be the first person to ever say that Clarence Weatherspoon gets buckets, but that's okay. Speaking of getting buckets, going viral right now, Chet showed out in his first summer league game. Did you see the highlights? I did watch some of the highlights, but I'm a little confused and mad that they have these two other summer league games because we're going to summer league tomorrow and – He's apparently not going to be playing. I'm like, dude, what are you doing in Salt Lake? Are they just trying to keep the kid out of Vegas while they're uh, training? I'm like, when did this? I know they used to do this. I think it was Orlando and Utah. And then I thought they consolidated all of it to Las Vegas. But here we are uh, talking chat highlights before Vegas kicks up. And that's a sensitive subject for me, too, because that's why we go first weekend is to see the Zions and the Chets, like every year, the top three pick, they always get about roughly one game. They may not play the full game or even close to it, but right they're They certainly get some burn. And yeah, I'm like, well, what is this? So he goes off and obviously you don't want to risk injuring the kid. So he's going to have a air quote, like sore ankle for the rest of summer league. And that's that. And yeah, that was tough to see. I think the Orlando one used to be a separate summer league. If I'm not mistaken, they had an East coast one and a West coast one. It feels like every year it changes. So I have no idea, but yeah, that's honestly a little disappointed that they have those regionals because then we won't get to see those guys in Vegas, but it's yeah. still nonetheless, even when I think one year we went weekend two, it's still exciting. Cause you see these guys that were first team, all conference in NCAA get to hoop and then Beasley last year too. You see some vets. It's always a good time. Yeah, it's still going to be, it's still a great experience. And honestly, like we went to Zion, RJ Barrett, the gym was packed. Like you had to get there super early. And so it's certainly a whole different experience. It feels much more like being at a game. And I almost enjoy those early afternoon games, especially in the small gym where it just feels like a pickup game that you're sitting on the sidelines for. So on one hand, yeah, I would have liked to have seen chat. On the other hand, it would have been a whole thing for us to navigate. But there's some great matchups. I think we're going to be able to see a Milwaukee game, which always gets me fired up. Last time we were there, Giannis showed up for the Milwaukee game. And I think we talked about this last year on the podcast, but the gym was silent and I yelled something out to Giannis and I'm certain he heard me. So I'm just, I like this little intimacy of the game experience and I'm looking forward to the whole event, regardless of whether or not people like Chet are playing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's always fun. It's always fun. And speaking of going to intimate setting games you attended this past week's big three game yeah. all hogs come away with the first of the season and honestly in very spectacular fashion right game winner buzzer beater describe the experience of going you took the fam like yeah man was- it was a really great game so i went to opening weekend and then this last week so i've been two of the three game and it's been just 
really an amazing experience. I think Cube and Jeff and the big three have been working really hard to make the experience really fun and dynamic. And I'd say the thing that was different about this game was A, they each game, all three weeks, the Ball Hogs have jumped out to an early lead, but they held it. Jody Meeks and Barbosa were especially on. I thought Stacey Davis played great defense. I know Joe Johnson scored 30 points, and that was like going around the internet. Like, oh, Joe Johnson got his, but I actually think Stacy made him tired. Joe Johnson was a bit of a liability at defense. They were blowing by him, especially uh, Barbosa when there was a switch. And then to end the game on this, because it felt like the momentum was with Joe Johnson's squad, and it just felt like they hit those two threes in the corner. You could just feel it like, yep, like this is a game that you just let slip away in the last few minutes. And Barbosa just takes over and finishes. And it was awesome, man. It's a really cool experience. And there was a really great heckler in the crowd that was giving the players shit. And they were talking shit back to him. It's fun to be there. Yeah. Shout out to Stacey. I agree. It's like you check the box score and you're like, holy shit, what Joe Johnson just absolutely torched somebody. But that's not really a good story, especially because watching Joe Johnson, dude, like, the word that comes to mind is like craftsman. Like that guy, how physical he is down in that low to mid post and how skilled he is. Like I saw left-hand jump hooks. I saw right-hand jump hooks. I saw up and unders. Like his footwork is unbelievable. Obviously, you know, those six, seven, eight footers were just like, didn't even touch rim. The dude is like, unbelievably skilled and like we knew that in the nba he was just known as a great scorer but to be that age i think he's 41 and still have that level of you're just watching someone who's skilled at a game right versus like purely using athleticism which was incredible to watch so i mean dude can you imagine how tough of an assignment that is and oh it's i agree the pargo brothers not really showing up was massive i know pargo can go off i remember watching him at the WCC days back in college and like the guy's just an absolute freak and has a great jumper. They just didn't have a great game. So Joe had to like do all the heavy lifting, which I think did wear him out towards the end of the game. Yeah. <clears throat> also, it, it feels it felt a lot like maybe Kobe 2008. I think it was Uh wait, no, wait, no, not 2008. Cause that was, they were starting to compete. Oh no, 2008. Yeah. It was like two, maybe it was like 2005 Kobe where he was just kind of the, the only guy that was really scoring. And I think for like Stacy's assignment, right? It's like, yeah, he's going to go get 30, but make him tired, make him earn it, make him hit a lot of tough shots. And honestly, there were a couple loose balls where like they got an offensive rebound or a tip out or there was a turnover off of the defensive rebound. I was like, that was a great defensive possession. We forced Joe Johnson into a tough shot. He missed it. And then we just weren't able to, to close out and get in the quote unquote transition of the three and three. And so I just feel like it was more about containing him to 30, playing some help side. But like, again, I thought, and then Stacy also had a couple awesome, like he, he, you could tell he was young and strong. I thought that was really interesting was that I think a lot of the other players that Joe Johnson bullies, Joe was going to get his shot off, but I felt like Stacy was stronger and more spry than maybe expected. And I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm raving about his defense, but I love it. Yeah, the squad really came together. I don't know if you could tell from being there, but the game winner was more impressive than it seemed too. Actually, I was catching up with Kareem Maddox today and he gave me an anecdote that I thought was interesting because when I saw the game winner, when I was watching it live, Barbosa beats him right, does like a nice lay off the glass and then they showed a replay. And it was actually an incredible shot because he put some spin on the ball, like some definitely some English and hit like the top right side of the backboard. And obviously the, with the rotation of the ball, just like 
a great form and perfectly located to like avoid getting blocked. And Kareem was explaining, he's like, he saw him working hard. Now he actually sits in a chair, probably six feet away from the basket, like dead on. And with his right and left hand from a seated position, will throw the ball up with spin and hit the kind of the top and top left of the backboard for layup to get that that English and look and feel. And I was like, that makes sense because his game winner actually looked way more impressive than I had originally thought. It wasn't just like a layup to the right. It was actually a really difficult shot to pull off. Yeah, a little, little bump, falling a little bit. I certainly, yeah. not to compare myself to the, the talent of Barbosa, but even in my prime, like I could, there's, I'm not even getting close to being able to make that, right? Like some of these pull-up jump shots, fadeaways, like those are things that I can wrap my head around doing. That, the athleticism and the talent and the practice required for that particular shot and the uniqueness of it, I can't even wrap my head around. So it was just really cool being there and, the, and hearing the crowd cheer and excitement. I think the crowd was not in our general favor, aside from the pig pen, shout out to the to Uncle John and then the pig pen, but it was like Sorry. a bit of a shocker as well, which was just, it was just great, man. It was, what a great game to be at, but. What a hell of a finish. And he should be player of the week. There was a poll going around, seeing some Joe Johnson stuff. I'm like, guys, how can Joe Johnson be player of the week when Barbosa was like five points behind him, game winner, upset? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I think just the pure stat line alone has people talking about Joe Johnson, but it's got to be Barbosa. Speaking of high-quality three-on-three basketball, NFT NYC. Wow. Dude. Dude. Wow. If you guys weren't there, I don't know what to say. I don't want to say. I want to say I felt bad for you, but no, I don't feel bad for you. Because you had the opportunity. You, the we opportunity told you to go. Yeah. We told it. We warned you. We had how many episodes leading up to it? We tweeted about it. We showed the artwork. Honestly, even the videos and the photos that I'm seeing aren't doing it justice. I speechless is the best way. Incredible experience. Venue, yeah. spot on the Hudson River, just amazing. The court came through, amazing. They set up ahead of schedule. The sponsors, Sneaker Hut had a booth. Iconic came with all of their the canvases. And just the whole thing was crazy. The talent, like I think that's one thing that really impressed me. And that's what we're going for. But I mean, we had Hoopers, Ball is Life, In the Lab, India Rising. Princeton 3-on-3. Uh, three three. Princeton 3-on-3. Three Chiba Dinos came through, brought a squad. Terrence Mann came through representing them. Didn't play, of course, but he was representing that project. Gosh, I mean, everything. I don't even know where to begin. I guess we take it from the from the top. It's like we're showing up, obviously the court. Everyone was in awe of the court. Crosshouse Experience team actually crushed it. I gave them a few artists that I like personally. I'm like, hey, you know, these might be cool. I think they got in touch with just about every single one and even some more. Everyone was just raving about it. Painting in the negative space too was spot on because we know from playing like peripheral is so important to know where you are on the court. So if that was just like one big, like pure canvas, it would get a little bit confusing. So you had a hint of the Krause house branding in there with like the pinkish purplish and the more like the indigo kind of color. So the court setup was amazing. If you picture a pretty decent sized court, certainly not regulation. Top quality hoops, perfect size. Like they, the Manhattan Car Club has this nice open, like garage doors. You can see the Hudson River. They have this open area and it filled it up perfectly. Shout out to Dev and Nav. We got to record with them, which should be dropping anytime shortly after this episode goes live. But the energy, I know people throw that word a lot in energy and vibe, but just like everyone had such a good time watching top quality basketball. We judged the dunk contest, which was amazing. God, it was just such a good experience. I'll shut up. But what were your takeaway? 
We didn't even mention the hoop collab that we did where we drove out to the outdoor park and had like kids shoot it. Dude, it felt like that TikTok that went viral with the bing bong. Dude, it was like New York at its finest basketball culture, Krause house hoop, the kind of smart backboard. Like it would, dude, it was, that was insane. We did that as prep and then the event and yeah, shout out to the team for just nailing so many small details. And I just like, I like highlighting some of the small details, right? It's like they had... Krauss themed throw pillows. They had custom player cards in these little glass like containers. They had neon lights on the hoop that someone was like hitting a green light on a good dunk, red light on a bad dunk. The MC was incredible. The lighting was incredible. The court itself, it was just immaculate. It was like, it was just hard to believe that was a Krauss house thing just because having kind of watched this idea go from day one to having professionals really execute a vision at such a high level. It was crazy. And then, yeah, you're right. Like the actual basketball was great. We could have been on the worst suitable court out there, not artwork, not music and all that. And the games would have been great. And the intensity would have been there too. So adding all that together, the music, the DJs was just like, it was crazy. And then I think the best part was the tournament turned out into a really great championship game as well. Highly competitive, some trash talking going on, two different styles of three on three being played out as well. And then they basically go into a form of overtime to determine the champion of it. It was just like a bit of a fairy tale. I know we were talking in the beginning of like, hey, we're shilling this a bit and like apologies, but we're starting to get really fucking excited. This is going to be like an amazing event. And now I feel like we're on the opposite side of it. Holy shit, dude, that was an amazing event. Like now it's like reverse shilling. Like that, that was absolutely crazy. That and again, I won't repeat the list of amazing things, but like it was just really cool. And so I think the takeaway going back into the podcast and back into DAOs, social DAOs, Web3, is I think this idea of us experimenting with what NFTs are from a digital and a physical and kind of a hybrid solution. That was really incredible. Also, how do we manifest not just another party where you rent out some rooftop and you have some DJs, maybe a rapper comes out and does a set, not that stuff, but injecting experience, something that we like walk away and saying that was something I consumed or I would have attended, take the free drinks and the music out of it. What what is that thing? And I think each community is going to be on a journey to determine those and the communities that understand that better. Uh, shout out to Linksdow and they, they did this experiment with a kind of an indoor driving range. That was really on brand. It's like hit golf balls, have drinks and, and meet other Links members. It's like, that's cool, right? Like that's driving a bit of immersion of, of that thing. And so I'm just excited for this next chapter of social DAOs, especially starting to understand how to weave in these truly unique experiences for your community. And I really feel like Krauss really hit on run on nailing that vision. And so I'll stop. But yeah, man, it was absolutely fantastic event. Yeah. And shouting them out specifically, D-Bag, Jonah, Shani, Alex Brands, Torben. Crabtree. Um, Crabtree, missing, certainly missing a, a few more. I know um, Mario, also shout out to Mario. I know he's Corey, but he did a lot of stuff working with them as well. A lot of partnership stuff. And yeah, incredible job. Where I thought you were going with that too, it's like what we always say. It's a real concrete example. And actually, we're probably going to use it moving forward. When people have trouble wrapping their head around of, of the efficiency in which DAOs can get things up and running. In fact, I think probably the general narrative is that it's the opposite, right? When people think, oh, governance and proposals and wait three days and all that stuff. All of these guys met within Krauss right? We didn't hire an outside event planning company or an agency to do this, despite actually talking to a few. These are all Krauss members that self-organized within the community put together a proposal and then pulled that off in less than 60 days. 
Which is and wild. Then, yeah, the time frame was wh- wild. Which is wild. I remember them going over the scope. I remember them going over the scope and saying, if they can do 40% of this, I'll be stoked. Like my that was my expectation, 40%. And they probably did 120% of the scope. Like it, it un, unfathomable. And so now I think what's also important, and we've always beat this drum, but again, concrete example. Now that has been branded as Krauss experience. They are running their own like agency, startup, whatever you want to call it together. They still meet. We got new inbound partners that want to do something similar. Some high profile names, not just Web3 partners. We're talking about Fortune 100 companies that are saying, we want to do something like this to introduce our audience into Web3. And so now this isn't necessarily an events planning team anymore. This is the IRL experiences team. I'm sure I can speak for you when I say I will double down on that squad specifically any day of the week now because they said they were going to do something. They over-delivered on that promise. And because of the excitement that the community has around what they've done, we're going to carry that momentum into doing more things like that. So that's an experiment, something like that I'd be willing to run every single time. And again, we didn't hire, we didn't interview. There was no onboarding. They did it. They're like, you guys have event experience. So do I let's collab and do something special. And don't take our word for it. Like how many tweets did we see mentioning us that we are quote one NFT NYC or had the best event of NFT NYC, right? That's incredible. And you can directly point to that and say, that is a DAO superpower. You can't tell me otherwise. Yeah. I think what you're getting at is this emergent like behavior. And we've talked a lot about what is the business model of a DAO and like, how does it work? And We've talked a lot about, hey, where there's opportunity and talent, let's put capital behind to incentivize. And you're just, you're totally right. This is just, it's a great case study. It'd be fun, honestly, to write it up as a case study and kind of share it more academically with kind of what happened and why it's so insane. Because the actual output, I think, to the public, this sort of first digital, this first basketball court is an NFT. That's an interesting idea in its own. But like the actual sort of DAO operations and governance that sort of created that thing. Is super interesting. And so it's a great example of like bureaucracy. It's a great example of emergent business models, emergent teams and opportunity. And I think that's what you're getting at is like that team in theory could go out and just do all sorts of events. And it might be all branded under Krausehaus or maybe Krausehaus gets some sort of sponsorship angle or discount. There's so many different unique business models that you could pop out of that, that it's almost not the point. And I think that's really hard for people to grok from a traditional centralized business to say, hey, those are Jerry's doing cool things under the Krausehaus banner. And that's a superpower. And that's just one category. Like in real life events is one category. There could be a different team that thinks about that digitally. It's a different team. We've had the international exploration team, a ball hugs team that's emerged. And it's just, it's a really powerful, cool model that maybe we should write up, not a white paper equivalent, but like a yeah case study, maybe post on the blog of just what exactly happened. Because it's wild. And it's a reason to be very bullish about the ecosystem of DAOs as complicated and as many downsides there can be. I think this is one of those superpowers. And we've alluded to this shipbuilding analogy. And this is a great one. Like, I think the idea came out in a podcast. I think it was it derived even from this idea of a knockout game. And that idea slowly evolved into this whole event and this three on three thing. And I, that's a great example, going back to the analogy of there's some shipbuilders in the harbor and they're hearing about this idea or this fictional or this idea of an island out there that has some treasure on it. 
and someone's like, hey, I'd love to build a boat and go out that way. It's like, yeah, like we'd love to help you build that boat. You can take that boat and sail to the island and let us know what happened. And like, just a great example of that analogy, just like coming to fruition. I second everything you're saying about being bullish on that model and seeing where it works. Yeah. And it was crazy. Like I was a little bit more involved in it than I think you were, but I will say that other than high level frameworks, I was providing potential teams to reach out to artists, dunkers to participate in the dunk contest, some different kind of like ideas, right. To go along with the analogy that you're saying. Other than that, I felt like I'd be interested to hear their take on this, but I'm quite certain that they would say is a lot of the decision-making, especially the bigger decisions were on them and they've really owned it. And I think that's something again, with the shipbuilding analogy that we really try to instill is that we're not necessarily, we can't hop on every ship, but we can provide guidance, frameworks, ideas, connections to help this make this a success. So again, that's that's not necessarily a reflection on us. That's a reflection on them. Yeah. They felt the autonomy and they owned it and the guy was in those threads. Yeah. And, I, you're and, and totally right. Watching the decision going and it was great. Yeah. I didn't, I had people come up to me like, Oh, you know, what happens at this time? Or how did you guys do this? And I was like, I didn't do anything on this project. And like, it's really hard for people to grok. Right. And it's like, no, like we're not a group of people masquerading as a DAO. Like, or a DAO that has decentralized teams doing decentralized decision-making and they have decentralized autonomy to execute their vision. And I was talking to the team too about like, how did they know to make player cards and how did they know, like how they, and they said something really interesting. And I just, I just thought I would share it. They were like, we knew that we wanted to do something cool in the basketball space. We knew the scope of what we were doing. And then all we basically did is if we thought something was cool, dope, whatever, we just, did it. And you like, we need to check maybe one other team members, whatever, but we just did it. It was like, dude, it would be so dope to have dunk contest cards. Oh, it'd be so dope to have player cards. It'd be cool to have these. And then the team would just be like, yeah, like that's cool. Go. And what a beautiful thing to be so in tune with sort of this idea of signal versus noise. And I think of like how we complain often about centralized and sorry, even decentralized, all these things of being committees and you have too many cooks in the kitchen. And this team, I think, also had a really powerful sense of, I'm going to use the word entitlement, and it's not meant to be in a typical negative way, but the community has bestowed on us, like our tastes and vibe on this and our talent matters. And if I think this is dope or we think this is dope, we're just going to order it, we're going to do it, and we're going to put it in because it's cool. And holy shit, like their hit rate on that was just out of the park. And so the piece I took away from that is like, how do you empower teams to get to the edges so that someone who has tastes and maybe they don't, maybe they're not an OG DAO member or they're not sitting on that committee or this committee, they have quote unquote reputation or authority or autonomy in that space just to do cool shit. And when you can find that, like that, the overlap with what the community is trying to do and like where culture is, where I think Krausas is sitting at the intersection of like, web three and basketball and kind of sports culture and you just do cool shit am i getting goosebumps even saying it's just it manifests itself in real life is like a really high quality thing and i just thought that was really cool yeah a good segue to into our last topic today you and i attended we'll call it a planning session but it was for a pretty popular i guess media channel in the crypto space and it was awesome to hear 
this person who's typically does the live streams and interviews and creates all the content for this channel literally say verbatim because obviously I'm telling myself this right and like you have to you have to sip the proverbial Kool-Aid a little bit but to hear this person say you guys might be actually building one of the best U cases for all of Web3 and I was like this person in particular has an incredible vantage point for all these projects and talks to some of the most experienced founders in the entire space and that was really refreshing to hear and I know it was quite popular, I think last week or maybe the week before to talk about Web3 use cases. And I think a lot of that spurred from Packy's article titled Web3 Use Cases, The Future. And one of my arguments for Kraushaus, specifically as it re- relates to DAOs or tokenized communities, what have you, is I think the floor for something like DAOs or tokenized communities is something that kind of looks like Kraushaus, right? If DAOs don't quite work out in the way that we think. Right now there's protocol DAOs, there's product DAOs, there's service DAOs, there's social DAOs, investment DAOs, right? There's so many. And I think that's totally fine because people are experimenting. But if we were to, as a industry within this broader crypto ecosystem, if we fall short, I think it's going to be something that revolves around social topics, mission aligned, incentive aligned, a mix of IRL experience, social club type thing where I just think that, like I said, if we fall short as an industry, I think this is even where it lands too. And because I think there's just such a clear cut use for using Web3 primitives to accomplish these goals and assign align incentives from people all over the world and take this talented pool of people to go get cool things done. I don't think that's where we'll end up. I think there's going to be more use cases than that. But anyway, I wanted to open the floor and talk about that. Like, Web3 use cases in general, as it relates to DAOs, like how do you think about how Kraushaus is positioned longer term as being like a, this cornerstone use case in Web3 across the next five to seven years? Yeah, I made a little tweet that got some love the other day, which was fractionalized ownership for exclusive experience-based assets is a massive Web3 use case. And I think that that's what we're talking about here. Having gone now to two ball hog games. I think there's something really powerful around ownership. And I know it gets written off as like, okay, yeah, ownership, there's it's on the blockchain, blah, blah. But I think it's because it's all sitting in a digital world. And I think that when you bring those assets into real life, or if we all existed in more kind of quote unquote metaverse worlds, like I think about Zoom a lot. I think Zoom's actually a massive conduit towards like these the NFT use cases that people give it credit to. Like, I'm imagining a world where your background is NFT locked and based and like we're all interacting with these Zooms. I'm imagining Fortnite running off of these worlds, FaceTime, these types of structures where you could subtly either experience something or flex in a different way, like whatever it may be. I think are like those are the digital versions. But in the meantime, these like exclusive experience-based assets that traditionally are really hard for you to go in as an individual it sounds so lame to say that like a timeshare. I was like thinking like you're an MBA owner as a timeshare owner. There's a value prop around timeshares without the scummy of timeshares where you get access to this really amazing condo in a really amazing part of the world. That is probably something that you couldn't afford on your own. And I know they've kind of been Americanized and commercialized uh, to a point where they're really just looking like hotel rooms at this point. But like that original idea of a timeshare was like a really cool concept. And if you had a lot of money, you're going to get Memorial Day and 4th of July and Labor Day at the amazing Miami Beachside timeshare. 
And if you have less money, maybe you're getting in the middle of October on Halloween or something. It's just that's supply and demand. And like you, that's your slot to the timeshare. Maybe every three years you get a premium weekend, you know, that experience is actually really unique because you're getting a taste of this thing that you love that you didn't really have access to. The part that I was trying to tie back with the ball hogs is like, I'm at the game cheering for this team that I like the big three. I like Leandro Barbosa and Jody Meeks and Stacey Davis, but I'm cheering and screaming like it's a Milwaukee Bucks game. And it's simply because ownership stepped into this. And so I just think it's this interesting piece. I'll stop my rant here. But a lot of us in crypto are capitalists at heart. And we believe that capitalism, part of the reason it has success, especially like for small businesses, is that you put ownership directly in the entrepreneur. And you say, hey, what does downtown look like when the street, the shop owner is also responsible for making that sidewalk a little bit cleaner? We believe that when you give people ownership in a capitalist society, they take care of the things and they work hard to make that thing better. And we're in this weird bear market situation where everyone clouded their judgment. Like, ah, like there's no use cases. Stop for a second. Yeah, there's a lot of bullshit coins and NFT projects and DAOs and all that stuff out there. But injecting real ownership into things that matter and that are fun to experience is a game changer. And we've been really sipping the Kool-Aid. And so it's like hard for us to bring back to just like ownership and access is actually wild when you're giving ownership and access to things that are worthy of ownership and access. And I think Krausehaus is just sitting in a beautiful spot of saying, if you love basketball and you want to be connected to something and you want a voice in that and you want to go deeper, that is a meaningful thing that has utility in access and experience. So I think it's a true meaningful Web3 use case. And I hope that it's one of the biggest kind of go-to-market ones because I think we can do this for all sports around the world. Yeah, lots to unpack there. I think one of the things too, and this is what I always say, is what's fascinating about the new incentives that Web3 introduced is that I actually don't think is talked about enough. Maybe it's maybe it's because it's just implied now, especially on the builder side of people that have been in for a while. But we've always just looked at this concept of ownership and owning something as a financial barrier. You said it's in its simplest form, right? Ownership has just been like, hey, I'm going to trade something of monetary value for something else. And now I own it and it's mine. And I think what we're doing, especially with Krausehaus, I, I would love to see, I don't know how we would find this out, but when it comes to compensation, how many people get compensated in Kraus comparatively to other DAOs, maybe even particularly other social DAOs? Because I think what's really fascinating is that essentially what you're raising your hand to do is I believe in this project and I know that earning this, right? I can now earn by doing, which is something that we haven't quite seen before in the past and that's been introduced in Web3. And so people are believing in the longevity of the project, not only from the sense of, of Kraushaus, but can that ownership evolve into ownership of a European soccer team? In this case, currently a big three team. In the future, an NBA team. And that is fascinating to me. Like that is something that, that you are truly democratizing that whole process. Someone can come in and buy a bunch of crowds today. That's fine. That's how typical ownership has worked in the past. But you can also come and say, hey, I have skills that I can deploy to this and earn. And half of my compensation can be in USDC. But the other half, I want governance and say and ownership into what you guys are doing because I believe in the project. And 
Last I checked, you can't sign up in Gusto or Workday to get paid in equity in your startup or corporation. There's, Of course, there's stock options and things like that, but on a compensation, like a, on a minute compensation level and on an iterative basis, bi-weekly or monthly, that just hasn't typically exist. And then what do you get with that? You have a direct impact on the roadmap of the company. We put up how many, roughly how many proposals to snapshot a week, right? That they can immediately take their crowds and dictate the future of our organization. That's really meaningful. So again, I'm cementing my theory. I have that guard up because obviously I'm extremely biased, but it's further cementing as one of the prime use cases or the core use cases of Web3 is everything that's going on in Crosshouse. Absolutely. So you're, to your point, right? You think the it's coming from outside in. It's like the ownership of what is the ownership of these assets get you? And I think it's important to come from other way as an individual, as a sovereign individual coming into Crosshouse. And what does that journey look like? That's distinctly different. And what we're doing in that case, as far as being able to get up and running quickly and contribute and get paid and actually having a portion that reflect in ownership in the broader Crosshouse is another really fascinating use case as well. And yeah. obviously those are on a spectrum, right? So those are one in the same. And I just think that's incredible. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. And it's worth noting too, I mean, ownership, I and mean, you touched on it, it's like ownership can be access, which I think like getting courtside tickets to the ball hog games, like that's a form of access. Sitting in the pig pen, just going to the VIP section, all the different things that Big 3 and Crosshouse have. And then agency yeah. um, and autonomy. Yeah. Absolutely. And then there's, and then there's governance of, okay, what are we doing with the team, the roster? Like what, what all those things are really interesting. What are we doing as, as Krausehouse and then that whole experience. And, uh, and then there's obviously equity plays and it's worth noting again, like Kraus token is a governance token, but we are looking to roll out sort of equity structures that are sub DAOs into actual ownership opportunities too. So you have this really interesting different buckets of things to go play with, which is just wild. But we should touch on before we wrap the two other events that we did NFT NYC. Go for it. So we did a 2K tournament, which was awesome. Shout out to Boosh for helping set that up. And we had a bunch of players. <laughs> Best pixel art in the game. So shout out to Boosh. But really cool to have a bunch of Jerry's playing 2K, do a tournament with some other uh, talented 2K players as well. And then we also did a Krausehouse community run. We teamed up with Swish House, who's like doing this like in a basketball class thing, which was awesome to go through. Shout out to one of the most OG Jerry's out there, Ben. He probably took down the MVP trophy for the Krausehouse community run. So we did play a basketball game. Oh, Flex, this is why you didn't say anything about it because we did a little three-on-three game on the art court before the tournament happened. And Mario and myself cooked Flex and Basie and Baller and Greg, and we had Magnus on our team. And there's a video that may or may not be going around which shows me isoing you and hitting the step back three to continue to put on the embarrassment. Yeah. So cook, whatever you're cooking might be a little raw because you did not cook. It was two to one. MVP was Mario. Mario. Dude yeah, was Mario unbelievable. MVP. Big three, four pointers, dude. Like yeah. just yeah, unbelievable could. range. Couldn't believe it. And for some reason, when I gave you that that big body, <laughs> Stacey Davis down below, that, that video is missing. Shout out I to think. Crabtree. Oh, is that who you're putting the blame on? Okay. <laughs> no, I'm saying like, I mean, I Crabtree gave me oh. the file and I don't know, it happened to be deleted and <laughs> okay, I didn't check Yeah, that. it's weird. There's just, there's this weird edit. There's this choppy part that's just, it's just like- It's all like pixelated and all that. No, that um, was so much fun though. And honestly, I think that's going to go down as a really special memory. It was just being able to play three on three. Some of the Jerry's on that court was just 
incredible. Yeah. On, wait. And so, wait, I didn't hear this. So OG Ben, was he hooping? He was, the, cooking, the he was cooking at the community run. Yeah, dude. And DT from Miami Tech Runs came down. That guy can Yeah, can my, my guy DT. Yeah, yeah I mean, Zaire D, from- Division one athlete. Yeah. yeah, Princeton played. We actually, the last game that we ran, I actually got really- I don't want to say heated, but like competitive, a lot of talent, like it was super legit game. I did hit a pull up three to end that game. So I do just a little shout out. I also, just to be fair for transparency, I did clank one all glass straight on from, from mm. my head. So I was getting pretty tired after the Swish House workout, plus a kind of hour and a half of run, but I redeemed it with the game ending three pointer, but we'll post a, a highlight or two, but it, it was amazing to hoop with a bunch of new Jerry's amazing to see all of you guys out at NFT NYC. Just like a truly special few days. And we're just really excited and bullish to do more interesting things in real life and teaming up with some amazing brands to help them do the same thing. So thank you everyone who made that thing a reality, who showed up, supported. It's hopefully just the beginning, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, many thanks. If you weren't there, jokes next on time. you. Next um, time. Ne- next time. Wait, should we, is, that some, is that an alpha league right there? Next time. You got next. Um, yep, you got next. All right, gang, thanks for listening, and you will catch us next week. Sweet!